Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what's up, what's up, GC Live fam, Gamecock Central Podcast fam. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Tuesday episode of the show. Um, had some technical difficulties there for a second, but we are rolling now and uh, flying by the seat of our pants as usual, but uh, almost on time. Uh, two o'clock live stream. And of course, after the fact, you can always, hopefully, you listen to us on the podcast if you didn't catch us live. No matter how you find us, watch us, listen, whatever it is you do that works for you, we are very, very happy to have you here and appreciate the support. We are, of course, GC Live, brought to you by Affordable Medical USA at AffordableMedicalUSA.com. They're at 803-926-1493. They are, of course, home of the game day chair. What's up to everybody there in our chat? And Chris, uh, while I make sure all of these links are live and ready to go, you want to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about, uh, straight off the bat, tell them about the game day chair. Let's do it right off the bat. Yeah, so... Again, those of you who followed the show since we started going daily or even before that, we really appreciate you. But make sure you show your appreciation for AffordableMedicalUSA.com, home of the game day chair. They are the reason that we have this show on a Monday through Friday daily basis. Um, game day chair is the most comfortable uh, chair that you can use to enhance your game day experience, your Netflix watching, whatever it may be. So links in the YouTube description if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're on GamecockCentral.com, go to our front page, click on the GC Live little story module. You can find a direct link there, or you can give those guys a call, 803-926-1493. Ask them about the game day chair or go to AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Search for the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight Technology. That, of course, is the lay flat position, TV watching position, lounge position, zero gravity lay flat, all at the click of a button in a super comfortable, super roomy chair the best recliner that you've ever seen that you've ever sat in so check those guys out and we appreciate their support yeah and i i think chris even if they're listening on the podcast i i think i have it set to where if you go into the episode summary um you should be able to find any information about our sponsors there as well so be it um the game day chair you want to buy one of those or dead soxy or if you're not a gamecock central subscriber um, you can find out how to get 60 days free with the code Central60. Um, obviously, you don't have to go through it that way. You can just go straight to our front page. But if it's easier for you that way, I think all that is in the summary information, no matter whether you're on YouTube or you're listening on your podcast flat uh, platform. So, um, all right. Muschamp today, Tuesday, as always, Chris. Um I figure we have to start with quarterback. I think on the South Carolina side of things, that's probably the biggest storyline we have right now. And then I figure as the show goes on, I've started diving into Ole Miss a little bit, so maybe we can start to turn the page a little bit to them and what they have and sort of what their offense is this year. Um, 
so yeah, other uh, I mean, other other than quarterback, I don't know that a whole lot was said. You got you got your questions that we all knew were going to happen that were sort of I would say a continuation of you know what was asked right after the game, what was asked on the press conference on uh, you know Sunday night when they did the little teleconference version of it. And you can sort of tell as the day went on, as the presser went on, Muschamp was sort of tired of, of talking about that stuff, it seemed like. But um, QB position, going in, uh, what, what was your take from, from what Muschamp had to say today? Well, I think it was it was sort of similar to what we said yesterday during the show as far as, you know, there are a lot of issues with this football team, uh, really in all three phases. But the quarterback position is one that you can change to create a spark. It's the only position where the guy is touching the ball every single play or almost every single play, unless you're running something you know funky out there. Um, but the quarterback's got the ball in his hands. And so when you talk about defensive personnel you know, or defensive scheme, you can't completely overhaul your scheme in the middle of the season. You can adjust some things, how you call some things, how you play some things. You can put some new stuff in. You can take some stuff out. You can try to play some different players if you have options there. But to some degree, you get to a point where you maybe are what you are, and maybe you can improve in some ways. Offensively, there's some some similarities to that, right? We we know that South Carolina is not going to overnight have a bunch, three or four receivers blossom and become really, really good. Not going to happen, right? Um, is the quarterback play going to get markedly better? Maybe not. If it could be what it was, maybe more towards the beginning of the season, that would be a positive. But that is a position where, like Muschamp said, it affects your offense and, and you know, by that same token, your entire team, maybe more than some other positions. So if you're looking for a spark, that is one spot where you can possibly create it. Will it work? We don't know if it's a different guy, if it's not a different guy. Um, as we discussed, the tea leaves seem to be, pointing a little bit more towards doing something differently. And and we know that Colin Hill and Ryan Helensky have both gotten reps this week. Well, Muschamp, it seems like, is going to keep that under wraps unless something changes, probably up until kickoff from what he sort of intimated today. And we know that Luke Doty's probably going to continue to see his role increase on this team as well. So um, other than that, we don't know, but, but – there was a lot of discussion on that today at the quarterback position and just maybe changing things up potentially uh, to get a little bit of a spark on this team. Even if it's a couple guys, as Muschamp said, and Hill and, and Holinsky that have similar actual skill sets. I think, man, you, you look and um, you sort of, somebody said our podcast is uh, crashing on Facebook. If that's the case, come on over to YouTube. I think we're, um, loud and clear over here, but yeah. So moving forward, I think a question from the fan base has been, you know, sort of why why not sooner? Could could there have been a quarterback change sooner? And I, I think it, it's sort of twofold, Chris. I, I think if you look, it, it's kind of one of those situations where I think after the LSU game, they looked and, and they said. That's not quarterback play is really not the issue, and there were some signs I think that they wanted it to be better potentially, but I I don't think that was the top of the list of, of issues on this team. And 
Um, now, I, I will go back to the fact that they they did, and it's kind of a small thing, but maybe not, the fact that Ryan Helensky talked to the media last week was like a small little sign to me that there there could be a potential change going forward. It, it seems like with this staff, they're not sort of in the mindset of switching a guy out mid-game unless that was sort of the plan going in. Uh, you know, we, we saw them very, very early in the Muschamp era, go back to 2016. You know, Perry played a, a good bit. Uh, you look at Brandon McIlwain playing. Bo- both guys started multiple games. There were times when one guy started and the other guy went in. But it was – in those times, it was sort of a quarterback competition each week until they got Jake ready, you know, during, during the bye week, and, and that was sort of it. But I just get the impression if, if you do have sort of an argument, it would be maybe you could have potentially looked at making a change at halftime on Saturday and sort of trying to spark things. But it just does not seem like that, that's sort of the approach this staff likes to take. So if you're not going to do it at halftime, really – I think this was the first time they really felt like it was warranted to take a, a strong look at, at making a change there. I, Chris, tend to think this is heading – just reading the tea leaves, things I've heard, gut feel, listening to Muschamp, I think this is headed towards Ryan Helensky getting a shot. Um, I think it's heading away from – basically, I, I think it started out as you know someone other than Hill getting a start. But then you see, uh, you know, even today, Muschamp admit, admitted, you know, Luke Doty's sort of running his package of plays as opposed to, you know, getting the entire thing and, and sort of getting as many reps even as the other guys. So I think we – my impression, unless something just changes completely as this week goes on, my guess is that what we said yesterday is probably – the way this is headed, and that's you know with three getting the start, and then Luke Doty maybe getting continuing to get more time, which is something we expected to happen anyway. Yeah, and going back to what you what you were just talking about, and even you know the comment or the question that Muschamp got about why not earlier, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, the, the feel was that Colin Hill, you know, gave the team the best chance to win at that point. Obviously, he wasn't the biggest issue, I don't think. This is my personal opinion, earlier in the season, and even not now, the biggest issue on this team, right? We, we talked about this yesterday, sort of numbering the issues. Number one is defensively, you can't stop anybody, you know. Um, and then, you know, your run game goes downhill against Texas A&M. That, that was a huge issue, but the receivers are a big issue, you know. And so there may be a few things above quarterback, but it's still an issue. It's still an important position. It's still a position where if you're not getting dynamic play, if you're not getting quality play, it can sink your chances to win. And so it's okay to say that at the beginning of the year, this option may have been better, and now there's a better option or a, or a different option that you take. And I, and I think that's sort of where this program's at right now from an offensive standpoint is that it's not – where the coaching staff has gone, Colin Hill has played so poorly and Ryan Helensky is just going to be so much better that that's why they're making the shift. It's, it is a little bit more of a spark. Now hope for this team, the hope has to be that Ryan Helensky does go out there and plays extremely well. Um, 
he'll probably – my guess is that he'll look better against Ole Miss. You mentioned this yesterday, Wes, because their defense is not as good as Texas A&M or a lot of other teams that they have played or will play this season. Ole Miss is, you know, one of the weaker defenses. Um, so it's not going to be a referendum on Colin Hill or Ryan Holinsky with whatever happens this weekend. But, um, you know, I think it's more of a spark situation, you know, and that's what Will Muschamp's talked about. That's what you've talked about a lot this week, Wes. Um, you know, this team needs some kind of spark. You've got to change up something. And so this is something that you can, that you can do. So my, I would imagine, you know, we're going to continue seeing Doty. I think you're right. When you're talking that much publicly, even about a spark, that would seem to t- point towards more towards Ryan Holinsky than couple that with what you've heard sort of behind the scenes. And so are the skill sets similar? Yeah. Um, are there still many concerns offensively on this team with the receivers and being more consistent, all those things? Sure. Those are all still there. Um, but can Ryan Holinsky do something different? Can he get the ball out faster? Can he give you some more explosive plays? Maybe so. And so I think that that all adds up to why this move is being looked at so heavily. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, we'll find out um, that there should be, as you just said, and as we said yesterday, there should be more opportunity for some big plays from this offense. And I, I think I think the offense will be able to get back to the running game, which ultimately, as we know, when, when they can run the football, that, that's really their only chance of, of being able to move the ball because it, it, does, it gives you – when you can't run the ball, it takes an already small margin for error yeah. just on offense and makes it even smaller because – Here's the thing. You you watch these the great offenses in college football, they can, you know, all, all the talk about third downs and it, you know, it being third and long and all this stuff. The great offenses, they they still they convert third and longs. So, especially when they play not good defenses, they, they still convert third and longs. You know, so I think when when you have great receiver play and future NFL guys, you you're comfortable lobbing it up there and letting your guy go make a play. How many times have we seen some of these? How many times does Alabama convert third and longs because they just have really good wide receivers and enough time to let plays develop? Unfortunately, South Carolina is in a situation right now where they don't have great wide receiver play other than Shy, who's been really good. And they don't have an offensive line that's elite enough to pass pro when the other team knows you're throwing. So what fan, fans get frustrated when they see wide receiver screen on third down short of the sticks, but it's because there's no faith to drop back and protect long enough to develop routes down the field that have time to get open when the team's dropping back into a a zone coverage on you. So you're sort of, you're sort of out of options there almost. Well, so the, the only thing you can do to sort of combat that is to be much better on first and second down. And the only way you can do that is to be able to run the football. Uh, the beauty of running the football, uh, somebody pointed this out to me years and years ago, is when you run the football, that gives you so many more options because you can throw the ball on first down. And the reason why you can throw the ball on first down is because on second and 10, you feel confident that you can run the football and get five yards and get into a third and makeable. If you're South Carolina right now, you know you have to – extend plays vertically right you want to extend the defense out and make them uh, sort of account for you down the field which we saw South Carolina try to do problem is when 
you hit when you don't hit those plays for whatever reason, now you're in second and ten. Well, if you're a great running team, you can run the ball there, get yourself in third and five or third and four or something like that. Well, now you feel like, well, they know we're going to run the ball here. We can't run the ball very well right now against the A&M front. Now you have to throw the ball on second and ten as well because you feel like they're still not expecting it. Well, then you find yourself in third and third and ten, and <laughs> you're, you're screwed. So right. it, 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 all, it all goes hand in hand. And right now, um, back, but back to my point, against A&M, Carolina's running game, bad matchup for them, really good A&M front from at least what I saw on Saturday night. Ole Miss front, I expect South Carolina to magically find their running game because it's a, a better matchup for them. This Ole Miss defense, as good as the Ole Miss offense has been for them, their defense has been equally as bad. Yeah, it does. And, and so there will be some opportunities for South Carolina. I think the bigger concern in this game, and I'm not saying offense is not a concern. It is, until they go start scoring some points, even against a, a poor LSU defense. We keep going back to the eight yards a carry number, which I feel like people are increasingly going to say, I don't want to hear about that because of the, they didn't cash in on some of those opportunities, right? So that's they did move the ball against LSU. They definitely scored more points than they did you know, against A&M, but they didn't score enough points, right? Um, you can't get in any shootout games. And LSU would have turned into, even if South Carolina had more offensive success in that game, it probably would have turned into more of a shootout, which South Carolina, nobody's going to pick them in a shootout right now. You couldn't have gotten, you know, even if Jalen, I was asked today, if Jalen Brooks catches that pass and scores a touchdown early in the first quarter, does it change the complexion of the game? To some degree, probably. But after watching that game, you don't have any faith that South Carolina could have gotten enough stops consistently against A&M and could have sustained that type of offensive production, right? And so that's why when we talk about low margin of error offensively, they're going to carry that through the entire year. So when they do have an opportunity to catch a poster out for a touchdown, you absolutely have to do it. And then you have to, you know, carve out something defensively to be able to come up with a stop. So will there be more opportunities against Ole Miss? From an offensive standpoint, Gamecocks offense versus their defense, I think so. Um, but then you look at the other side of it, and you have a very explosive Ole Miss defense, old offense rather, that has quarterbacks who are mobile and can throw the ball and will push it downfield. They have really good skill position guys who can make you miss. Uh, and then you have a defense that's been reeling, you know, the past couple games and trying to stop basically anything, run or pass. And so that's that's a bad recipe, to be honest with you. And it's it's something that uh, I think it's a difficult matchup, and it's something that you have to look at until this team proves that it can do something defensively in terms of stopping an opponent until they become become more consistent on offense. That's going to be a concern. And I think we're seeing, you know, in terms of South Carolina, there's been so much talk about quarterback, and rightfully so. But I think we're seeing some of the fruits in a negative way of what's happened in the receiver position, you know, the past few years. Um, South Carolina's missing a couple guys that I think would have played this year due to opt-outs with Ortre Smith and Dreek Davis. Um, you know, Chad Terrell's been injured, yes. But there aren't enough receivers on this football team to be explosive enough. And and so all of that is contributing to the stuff you're talking about, Wes. Even, even the elite teams, we call them bailout players a lot. You see Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they get in the third and seven, third and eight. You have a guy that you can throw the football to. 
and and you have options and South Carolina doesn't have as many right now. And, and so that sort of manifested itself this season in a big way. Yeah. But yeah, uh, let's go through the comments here just a little bit. Uh, Anthony belt. What's up? Shout out to Anthony. He is new to the show. I believe uh, he says his heart is hurting. <laughs> Anthony you should have been here Monday. We had therapy session yesterday, but um, glad you're here. Mike says if Hill wins the quarterback competition this week and starts, how do you react? I don't know. I know, I know how the fan base is going to react. They're going to be very upset. And I, I think, yeah. again, I, I, I'm at the point now it's more, it's more about giving somebody a shot just to try something different and just see if it's, you know, if, if it sparks something. Let's see. What's up, Craig? Uh, good to see you all, man. He says, can you remember South Carolina bringing more than the offensive line can block just one time this year? I can't. Every other team I watch does. Try something different with a lot of exclamation points. And, you know, that that's something that, that's really not part of South Carolina's defensive scheme, I, I, I don't think, Chris. That, doesn't it seem like if they bring extra guys, this is much more of a we're going to rush five um, as sort of the, the way South Carolina schemes it up. If they bring pressure, it's now, – now they've over the years been really good about dialing up I I feel like some specific pressures uh, with stunts and doing different things to to get guys loose on third and longs but rarely have they been a defense that is just gonna you know the old PlayStation um, play where you blitz both linebackers right up the a gap and play man coverage across the board every third and short that's what I was running I was sending six guys and playing man coverage on the back end and so I, I think Everybody in, you know, everybody that sort of has that background, they they want it to be like a video game. If no, if nothing's working, just blitz the house. That has not been South Carolina's mo at all. Now, I'm not saying I think they should blitz the house every third down, but I, I do think that that kind of, if you're going to make a change on offense, just just try to spark something. I mean, there maybe are times when you say hey, let, let's be a little more aggressive on this side of the ball and try some different things just to see if you can get there. Now, the other side of that, you, you're going to have to live with potentially putting some guys in one-on-one situations that maybe aren't necessarily uh, equipped for that, um, you know, and you're going to have to live with the result. Yeah, and and so that's the – that's sort of the catch 22 that you're in, you know, and I, and I do understand the line of thinking with people saying, if we're going to go down, rather go down swinging, you know, and those types of things. It, it is the case, you know, in offensive football from a defensive standpoint, you know, you want to make people sustain drives as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to creating explosives right for them, because then you're creating explosive scoring plays or allowing them rather that's tough. So, you know, and if you don't want to hear Will Muschamp say that, I remember Ellis Johnson used to say that a lot. If you keep the offense on the field long enough, eventually they're going to, this is my term for lack of a better one, they're just going to crap out at some point. Now, not always. We saw A&M sustain some drives on South Carolina. We saw LSU sustain drives on South Carolina, and they went down and scored, right? But you'd rather have it come that way, um, not over and over, because then your defense is on the field at time. Um, so you could sort of see both sides of it, but for Gamecock fans, it's frustrating because, you know, you, you don't get any pressure on TJ Finley. 
the LSU game, because they're running the ball, South Carolina doesn't send a ton of pressure. They're in a lot of third and shorts. They don't get pressure, you know, and, and even run blitzing it. They did some things and they were still getting bounced out of gaps. The next week, Auburn seems more aggressive. They make TJ Finley look more like a freshman. He throws, you know, no touchdowns, two interceptions and, and a big win for Auburn. Right. And so I understand that the want and maybe the need to be more aggressive at the same time with how this defense has struggled. You look at some of the struggles they've had. A lot of them been in individual situations, man coverage, getting picked, not being able to stay with guys. We've seen a ton of that. And so if they blitz and they don't get home, um, you're going to see more of that and you're probably going to see even more points. So catch 22 right now, I, I think that's my personal opinion. Now I'm with you, Wes. I would say, do you need to be more aggressive, more creative? Maybe so. Because right now at this current rate, they're not really stopping anybody. They're going to, if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to have to be a lot more sound, improve a whole heck of a lot, get a lot better against the run, and they're going to have to create some turnovers somehow, which, again, we've talked about this a lot. You can't exactly rely on doing that week in and week out. Yeah, and, and you know, much like I said, you've got a much better matchup this week as far as South Carolina's offense versus the opponent's defense. You've got an even worse matchup this week as far as Carolina's defense yeah, against Ole Miss's offense. And that's coming off of a matchup that really wasn't very good on paper either this past week. So uh, we're going to get into that in a second. Graham uh, says, I'm pretty sure I saw you Saturday. near. I, I was not at Jayco's Corner. I was near sort of across the road from Jayco's Corner. So you may have seen me at the game. Let's see. You, you got any more? You see any more questions I've missed, Chris? I don't know if you've. Yeah, I've been paying some attention. Um, here's here's one that I think is totally fair to talk about from a Ghost Flame nine fifty three. Why does the defense suck <laughs> after five and a, five and a half years of a defensive minded head coach? I thought it would be our strong suit when we hired Muschamp. Yeah, so I actually think there's there's sort of a complex answer to that question. I, I promise I won't get as long winded as I've been this year, but I think. A lot of it comes down to personnel. Now, I've had a lot of – Wes, I asked you this this week. Is is this defensive sort of style not working as much? And I even mentioned sort of the Saban school. Will Muschamp and Nick Saban actually administer their defense in different ways? You know, Nick Saban bases his front a little bit differently. They play more three-man than South Carolina does, et cetera. A lot of the concepts in the secondary are very similar as far as how they play zone, how they pattern match, when they want to play man versus zone, there's going to be some, a lot more carryover with that. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing that you look at, and I think this is the case in college football for any team, right? Now, the, the best teams in college football, yes, they have very good coaching. They, they absolutely do. Development, coaching, all that stuff is there. They also have the best players. It, it's, it's simple, you know, from that. It's not simple to get there. But it's simple that they have the best players. I think South Carolina is still deficient from a recruiting standpoint at safety, for instance, and they're missing a couple guys there that that normally play in Shiloh Sanders and, and RJ Roderick. Even with those guys, they have not been as good this year. That has been one of the biggest surprises about the entire tenure to me is the safety play. That in year five, I figured, you know, if you would have told me when Will Muschamp was hired, 
which positions are going to be really, really good. I'd probably pick safety corner. You know, I mean, those would be the two, some big time defensive linemen. And that has not come to fruition. Defensively inside, I think you look at some guys have maybe not developed as they should have by this point, and there might be a variety of reasons for that. Um, I think they're still smaller, you know, inside maybe than they need to be. I thought this team would have more depth going into this year defensively. That's not been the case. And so um, I think it's just a variety of issues, you know, that have really plagued the defense. And I know it's been frustrating, you know, that the, the Offensive football, Nick Saban said this the other day, you win now with offense. So it is tougher to stop people nowadays. Whatever people's uh, thoughts about what your points per game on defense should be back then, you know, five, ten years ago, is a lot different than now. You do have to change the expectation, move the goalposts, so to speak, but they got to be better than they have been, no doubt. So let's let's dive into to Ole Miss, man. I, I look and, you know – dive into the PFF stuff, pro football focus, and you instantly see stud after stud as far as um, their top-graded guys are, are mostly on on offense. Um, you have a, a couple of quarterbacks who, who they use and one a little bit different skill set than the other. And a couple of guys that I, I don't I don't know, Chris, if you followed – did you follow either of those guys in recruiting much? I didn't really. Um but let's sort of start there. What what are your thoughts on sort of the, the two quarterbacks at, at Ole Miss? Because obviously um, from one scheme to the next, um, I'm sure there's been adjustments in, in what they do and how they do it. But this is an Ole Miss offense that was really good when, when we saw South Carolina go out there, I guess it's two years ago now, yeah. an offense that remained good last year from what I saw of them. And then obviously an offense that is really, really good this year. Yeah, so, I mean, Matt Corral, I, I did follow a little bit in recruiting. Not that he was a guy that was really heavily involved with South Carolina, but he decommit, He was committed to Southern Cal at one point, decommitted from those guys, committed to Florida, decommitted from those guys, ends up with Ole Miss. And we actually saw a little bit of him in that 2018 game, that shootout in Oxford that people have talked about recently. We saw a tad of him. It was Jordan uh, Tamu. Hopefully I didn't butcher the name, but he was the starter. Uh, Corral came in a little bit in that game, so we saw him. But a, a, a guy who has a big arm, always had arm talent. That, that was the thing with him. Could he develop into a big-time prospect? But he always has had that arm talent. He was a highly touted prospect. Um, and then you've got John Reese Plumley, who was formerly committed to Georgia at one point and ended up uh, eventually flipping, decommitting and flipping to Ole Miss. And he is a guy that can throw the ball some, but certainly – a guy that they bring in as a mobile option. He can come in and, and run the football and cause you a lot of issues, particularly when you when he is in the game, you still have to worry about uh, you know, the dual threat of him maybe running some zone read, handing the ball off versus keeping it. That can cause you some issues, but also the RPO game with what their receivers can do in space and, and it becomes a difficult proposition. And Corral can move around some too. So, you know, you look at those guys, that's where it starts. And these teams have put up you know, a lot of points this year, you know, in their games. I mean, they, even in losses, I mean, they're putting up 35 against Florida, 48 against Bama, you know, they put up 54 against Vanderbilt last week. And so, you know, 21 against Arkansas was the least amount of points that they put up. And so really good game and game plan by Arkansas. And so 
Um, that It does start with quarterback, and they do a really good job with administering the offense, and they've got some guys as sort of a two-headed approach there uh, of some guys that can, that can hurt you. Yeah, so then you, you get past the QB spot, man, and uh, yeah. you, you look uh, – Jerion Ely, a kid that um, I remember being very highly recruited. Remember that name for sure. I think a great baseball player out of high school as well, and there was some talk about whoever signed him may, you know, may just lose him to, to baseball. But I think was viewed as someone that was worth putting in the effort just to see what, uh, you know, if you could get him and, and get him on your, uh, your football team. It obviously has paid off for them and, and put them in a situation where uh, they really have, and I'm not as familiar with their other kid, but they have a, a couple of decent backs who, um, you know, can, can make some big plays for you and, and sort of, I would say these Kiffin offenses generally I look at the passing game and I, I look at them as being sort of uh, big play offenses on, on sort of that area. But you look, uh, you know, even going, going back to Alabama when he was running the offenses there, you obviously had really good backs there. And generally as, as much as these offenses get the big plays in the passing game, they usually have some pretty good backs as well um, every year. So then you add in, I mean, how how you look the last, what, five years or so, the receivers that Ole Miss has had, man, come through that place. Guys that are in the NFL now, and now this Elijah Moore kid who, I mean, you, you think Shai Smith has caught a lot of balls and was on a, a really, really big pace Elijah Moore has caught 61 passes this year for 829 yards. That's in six games. So he is averaging just a minuscule amount over 10 catches per game within this offense. So it it really is a situation where you've got a a really good thrower in Corral. you got a couple of sort of dynamic backs and then – You've got a receiver that they really focus in on and get the ball to, and and uh, you know some good tight end play as well. But Elijah Moore is the guy in their passing game that is sort of the sort of like an Alshon Jeffrey when Spurrier was here. That's the guy that they seem to just feed the football to in the passing game. Yeah, and and you know obviously much different type of receiver, right? But um, someone that you're right, they feed the ball to. I mean, you catch 61 balls and 800 yards. That's that's a good full season with a full 12 or 13 game football schedule. And this guy's done it in six. So, I mean, they've been really prolific. And um, to some degree, you know, the, the 2018 team, and Muschamp touched on this a little bit today, they they were really explosive. And obviously they scored a lot of points in that shootout game in Oxford um, against the Gamecocks. And, and there are some similarities in how explosive they can be because of the receivers and some of the, some of the up-tempo concepts, some of the passing concepts, and then Layden Kiffin obviously incorporating some of his things and some of his run game concepts. Um, it's, it's a really difficult proposition. You know, the tight end is another position, um, and I'll butcher his name so I don't want to even pronounce it, but he's had some big explosive plays this year. So you think about, you know, here's the deal. Here's the issue. When you get Ole Miss on the field, you have to think about the quarterback, right, and his mobility, whoever it may be. You have to think about the fact that they are certainly not afraid to stretch the field, so that can affect as a defensive play caller. And when you're strategizing, how do we want to how do we want to approach this? They've got running backs who are good in space. 
Um, they can quick game you. They can throw the deep ball. Um, and, oh, by the way, you need to pay attention to the tight end because he's got vertical presence, vertical ability. And and we saw Weidermeyer from Texas A&M really cause South Carolina problems in, in that game. And so that's another concern. So there's not <laughs> – you know, I feel like we're, we're mirror imaging a little bit. The two different types of offenses, some different, you know, concerns and things like that, different styles for sure. But as we talked through the A&M game last week, as we talked through it, we're like, man, the more you think about this, the, the worse you feel about the matchup. And that's sort of where I'm at with, with Ole Miss as well. They're just – they present so many issues with things that South Carolina struggled with that there's not – a lot of positivity when you're thinking about South Carolina's prospects of stopping them, unless they just go out there and they turn in a much better performance than they have the past two games. Yeah. I would say the big difference for me right now is just that I, I sort of anticipated South Carolina may have some struggles on offense against A&M as well. So you're looking there saying, can you stop them? And then saying, are you going to be able to move the football or not? I think at least with this game, you're, your thought process, or at least mine, is that Carolina will move the football against Ole Miss. But then, for me, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, the bad, bad defenses give up yards. Like that, um, I would say, bad defenses give up yards to almost any, even solid offense. But the problem you have is if you have an offense that, like South Carolina's had recently, is struggling a little bit. Struggling offenses tend to put up those yards and then do like we were talking about, shoot themselves in the foot eventually. And it's sort of the reverse of what you're talking about, you know, with South Carolina or like an Ellis Johnson approach. South Carolina is the offense that's, you know, moving the ball in, you know, down to the red zone or something like that and then can't complete a drive because they can't put together the 10, 11, 12 plays that that you need um, if you're not an explosive offense. So I have no doubt South Carolina will probably move the football the bigger question is, you know, what will they do with it when when they get down there? Yep. I want to go a little different direction now. I always try to, I would say, make our show about what people are talking about. And some interesting reactions today, Chris, to, uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, the Nick Muse press conference. Yep. And, you know, I, I think, I'll be honest, sometimes when, when everything gets tweeted out and all, you know, segments of quotes get tweeted out it can be it it doesn't always come across exactly maybe the way it was meant maybe it did but I I think a lot of times you especially an answer like this you need the complete context of what a guy said so I'm I'm going to try to pull this on the fly from YouTube I think it's going to work but there have been some very interesting reactions from the fan base, and now from some other players as far as Nick Muse comments today to the media. So I'm, I'm going to pull that up and, and hopefully play that here right now. Hey, Nick, last week um, Colin told us that he doesn't pay any attention to what's in the paper, what's on the news or social media. Uh, I was just wondering what is your approach, especially when there's a lot of negative stuff out there. Is it impossible to ignore it or just how do you handle it? Um, well, I'm also told not to read it, but I, I read just about everything just because most people out there, I, I think, I think it's most of it's funny and not funny in a, like a good way. Like 
Hey, it's funny that we're losing because, I mean, everybody hates that stuff. But uh, I think it's funny because a lot of people, they have their opinion, which is fine. And uh, I like reading it because I know most of the, the, the Karens and the couch, the couch coaches, uh, you know, they, they know a lot more than our coaches apparently. So I just like reading it, seeing everybody's opinion. Uh, my dad has a saying, he can say whatever he wants, but he's just a fat dad in the stands. So, uh, you know, that's what I take to it. You know, it is what it is. But uh, I just read it just to see, you know, people's opinion, just because I'm a curious guy. But, uh, I mean, it, it, don't, it don't affect me. A lot of people have talked good about me. A lot of people talk bad about me. I'm still going to be Nick Musa. I'm still going to come ready to play. So, Obviously, th- that got a reaction. It did. From, you yeah. know, from the fan base. And and he went on. I'm trying to think if he talked any more about that. I, I, I know he talked some about Muschamp and sort of having Muschamp's back. Said he'd take a bullet for Will Muschamp, um, which actually is about as it's about as strong of, of support as you can throw at, at someone. But it, here's the thing, man i i I can't really get behind the idea. And anybody who feels differently, tell me that's fine. I can't get behind the idea of people getting mad at Nick Muse for voicing his opinion and getting in their fills about the fact that they voiced their opinion. You know, like if, if it's, it's kind of one of those things, Nick didn't say all fans, you know, it's, it's almost like you're outing yourself. If, if you get upset about that, then obviously you're one of the fans he's talking to. Uh, like if the shoe fits, so if you feel it's your right to boo or to talk junk on Twitter or whatever, it's just as much his right to be like, you you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm 100% not saying anyone should be happy with being two and four or losing the way South Carolina has the last two games. From a big-picture standpoint, you should be pissed off. It's not good enough. So let's get that out of the way. But I, I, don't, I don't see any way to get mad at Nick because, one, we, we get sort of like, well, these players just give robotic answers. But then when a guy actually tells you how he feels – and gives an actual response, we get in our feels about it? No. If, if you want him to give an actual honest opinion, and you want to be able to say on Twitter, well, oh, the tight end can't catch the ball. Well, Nick also has the right to be like, screw you. I'm doing, you know, I'm working hard doing the best I can. So it's it sort of, I don't, I don't know why we got to this point where, and again, I'm talking about some people. So if you're getting upset at me right now, you're, you know, wear the shoe. It fits. So I, I don't understand how anybody could be mad at Nick Muse for just telling, doing the same thing you did on Twitter. Here's how I feel about it, man. People analyze the media with coaches and players when things are going poorly. Then it becomes this issue of like overanalyzing what is said. Um, and some people pointed out, and maybe this is correct. I don't know. I, I don't really agree with it, and I'll explain why. <clears throat> when a team's losing, 
that's when you hear if a coach or a player says something when they're asked about support and if they give an answer that, like you said, is not robotic, then it becomes, well, now they're blaming the fans for the team's performance. And that, that's not what was said at all, right? But that's what it, that's what it comes out to some people as. Um, but in reality, there, there have been a lot of coaches in the past that have even criticized the fans even more than that. And why were people upset about it? Because the team was losing. I remember Nick Saban criticizing the fans. They won a lot of games. Um, Dabo Swinney would do some things when they weren't winning a lot. And it, boy, I, I remember going over to the West Zone at TI and people were furious about it, about certain things he said, that people are paying too much attention to the scoreboard, blah, blah, blah. People hated that stuff. The difference is now they're winning. He could get up there and say anything almost. You know what I mean? So two things with it. One, we all and we get this, Wes. People get mad, get on to us about it. Y'all need to ask Will Muschamp the tough questions, whatever that may be. Asking Will Muschamp a question is not going to make the team better. It's not going to hold him more accountable, in my opinion, or whatever it may be. And he was actually asked one of these questions today that people really clamor for us to ask. The team is not good. It, this is a paraphrase. The team's not very good. You have a two-game winning streak. You're staring down the possibility of a three-game winning streak. What are you doing as a coach to make sure it doesn't happen? And what did he give? A coach answer. He said, we are coaching. We are preparing for the game. So, you know, more of a more of a canned answer, quote-unquote, but this is what you're going to hear, you know. And so Nick Muse sort of went the opposite direction. He spoke his mind on it. I, I, I'm with you. I think he can say that if he wants. I think people get more mad about it because the team is losing and they see it as some sort of like, a, I don't know, like a fan stage of grief or a, or a stage in the program to where now it's gone really bad because players are saying this. I think it's just gone bad because it's it's gone bad on the field. That's the main thing. Winning or losing affects everything. It affects the way that fans perceive everything. So Nick Muse – like if the team was six and zero right now, or five and one, but people were real mad just at Nick Muse for messing up a play here or there, he could have said that same thing, and we wouldn't hear as much about it because the team's winning, you know. Um, so I, I just think it affects everything when you're not winning. That's when people really dive into. I mean, you remember Chad Holbrook when he was losing or not winning enough at South Carolina. One of the main, I mean, it was amazing how much we heard about his demeanor in the bull and sitting in the dugout. Right. And okay. But the bottom line is wins and losses. Yeah, it, it is. And I will, I will say in my opinion, I I find a different and maybe everybody does it. I don't know. I find a difference between being pissed off that South Carolina is two and four and that they're not good enough, that it's year five, and that you put – I mean, if, if you're watching if you're watching this show or listening to this, you are a Gamecock fan who cares. You've put your energy into it. You've put your money into it. You've put your time, your, your most valuable asset, your time into following South Carolina football. So I – and I, I feel for you because you yep. have invested – your some of your most important things into it. 
So I I get being upset. I, you know, I I would be too. It, it's so I'm not saying don't be upset because oh yeah yeah hundred percent you should be. I'm more. I, I think I draw. I'm I'm not a fan of the people that just attack the players on Twitter and go directly at them and the, some of the personal attacks. And I, I know that's I don't know what percentage of people that is, but it's certainly not near everybody. But those people may be the same people who are getting mad that that Nick sort of clapped back a little bit. And to me, it's it's his right to, you know, to to fire back in that case. And I, you know, people, different people have different opinions on booing. I've never thought I've never thought booing sobs anything personally. I don't think it solves a single thing. Uh, but again, I, I get, I get being upset and sometimes people respond in the moment to something very differently than they would after sitting down and, and thinking about it. But, you know, sending tweets at players and, you know, saying the, the if, guys, if, if you're a SEC division one athlete, you don't suck at football. Now, you, this team may not be good enough comparatively to their other SEC brethrens as a team, but you know, just to to be like you suck is sort of over the top. And I, I get I get being upset with the coaching staff. I get being upset, but there comes a point when the players are trying as hard as they can, and they were recruited to come here. Is South Carolina as talent is South Carolina talented enough as a team comparatively to the rest of the SEC? In a lot of cases, Chris, no, right. But that doesn't mean you know you you personally attack them. So mm-hmm. I I have no problem with with Nick firing back, and and I I appreciate guys like that sort of giving. You know I, I think you look Nick gave some very open honest responses to everything, but Nick also went on to say we know we have to win. And he even said, he said, I know people support the team. People pay their hard-earned money. They don't come to watch their team lose. We got to find a way to win games. Yeah. He said that. He admitted that. He said he appreciated the fans that stuck it out and stayed. So I I, I thought it was just a, an honest take yeah. as opposed to like a shot at the entire fan base, which – um. I just don't think it was that. Yeah, and I think you know I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with people being mad. Fans, I understand that they should be. And Nick Muse is okay if he wants to say, "Hey, we don't appreciate people personally calling us out on Twitter after the game." That's fine too. There's nothing wrong with either of those. I think my even bigger issue was just well, this shows how poorly the program is going because Nick Muse said this. He's blaming the fans. He's not blaming the fans. They've taken. He's taken responsibility said we've got to play better. I think the reason the program is struggling in terms of wins and losses is just because it's struggling in terms of wins and losses. I don't think that projects, you know, out to the media or anything like that. Will Muschamp was asked about that us versus the world thing, and they're not taking that. I remember Will Muschamp at Florida, he even said, because he's gone through, that's the other thing, even coaches who've had success have gone through spurts where they've been booed. You know, like I would imagine any football coach, even ones who have multiple national titles have been booed at some point for a play, for a decision. Maybe the players have been booed, whatever. And I remember Muschamp was asked about it at Florida 
And he said, you know, if somebody wants to boo, and he explained it to his team even, if somebody wants to boo, yell, scream, start a website, <laughs> whatever it may be, then that's the right because they, they pay their money, they invest their time. And so I think every, everybody's frustrated. The players are frustrated with not winning. They're probably frustrated if they do get called out, which any of us who are human beings, that can affect us. Um, and then the fans are frustrated because of the product that they're getting. And so that's just that's just sort of where it's at. Let's t- Wes, I got to hit dead Soxie because I think this is a good – I think this is a really good segue, actually, because we, we've been talking a lot about not winning and things like that on this show. Dead Soxy is always winning with their awesome socks, their patented technology to prevent both crew and their no-show socks from sliding down. You can be assured you won't have to lose the battle with that dreaded sock slippage, so you can kickstart some positive vibes into your wardrobe. Head over to deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And they've created a new promo code just for our listeners and viewers here on the podcast. Enter the code COCKY at checkout. You'll get 30% off your entire order. So go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Enter the code COCKY at checkout. 30% off your entire order. Check out the no-shows. Check out the boardroom dress socks. And as always, stay Soxy. Appreciate their support of the show. Yeah, I uh, we get rolling, man. And sometimes we forget to do those things. I, I did. All right, I wanted to... I was trying to remember if there was a little bit more from Nick uh, providing context on what he said. There was while you were talking, I was I was listening back. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play this a a little bit more just so we can sort of complete this thought and complete this segment. You say it's funny, but at any time does it anger you? Can you use that as inspiration to get yourself fired up? Uh, no, my inspiration comes from my coaches and my teammates and my family. Uh, first off, I want to play at the next level to make money for me and my family. Second off, I want to play for the guys beside me because that's our job. Our job is to win. We haven't been winning, but we need to win. So whatever we need to do, whatever I need to do, whether it's block every play or go out for a route every play, I'm going to do my job on what I need to do and just come to win. So it's my mentality. So I, I don't – again, Chris, I, I don't think there was ever a – I'm blaming – anyone else, you know, I'm, I'm blaming the fans or, or anything like that. I, I think it was just, he was asked a very specific question and, you know, he, he gave a, a very honest answer. And at the end of the day, hard, hard to fault a guy, you know, for, for being honest, especially when so many of these other media sessions, guys are almost scared to be honest because of this very reason. Athletes are scared to give an opinion because if they give a real opinion, then, they're they're gonna somebody is gonna have a problem, you know, with, with their opinion. So right. anyway, I, I think that's probably. You got anything else on that? I think that's about all there is to say. Yeah, I, th- I think we've sort of covered that one as about as much as we can there. Yep. So okay. Uh, so I guess either tomorrow or maybe Thursday we'll have somebody from the Ole Miss Rivals site. Maybe we can try to shoot for that tomorrow if possible. But we'll be back. Tomorrow afternoon, you got any more thoughts? I mean, the press conference. One other note would be that it looks like South Carolina is all good on the on the COVID stuff. That was something we saw while we were doing the show yesterday. A and M paused their practices, or we found out they were. It seems like from the contact tracing for what Muschamp said, South Carolina is good to go. They're fine on that, so that that's obviously good. 
And I'm trying to think, I was sort of typing during part of it, so I, I missed a little bit of the press conference. Was there anything else that we need to hit, Chris? I don't think so. You know, um, I think Muschamp was asked, you know, the injury thing, you know, I just don't know what you take away from there. You know, he was asked, I think, about um, – he had already said that Roderick and Sanders, I think he maybe even said that on his on his post-game television show, uh, Gamecock football with Will Muschamp with, with Todd Ellis there, that I think those two, he said, were expected back for this game, so we'll see. Uh, he was asked about Kevion Mullins and said that he was expected back. Again, we'll see on that. I think he, he went – as a game time decision, or I can't remember how Kevion was exactly classified going into the last game and did not play. Um, so we'll, we'll see on those guys, but yeah, no, no significant COVID issues at this point, it would appear. And um, that, that was really the main thing. A lot of talk about, you know, just trying to clean up things, you know, defensively, what can you do to try to clean it up offensively? A lot of quarterback talk, uh, nothing that was a, a super huge revelation out of the press conference today. Yep, so uh, again, if you're not a subscriber on Gamecock Central, give us a shot, 60 days free, code CENTRAL60 at checkout. By the way, if you if you go in and it pops up initially, you see the price, just keep going. You get to a point where you put in the, the promotional code, and then it will discount it down and show you that you're yep. – it'll show you that the code has gone through and that you have uh, two months free. I From what I've heard, I, I expect – I did hear Shiloh will, will be back. So, um, you know, we'll see on the other guys. I know last week there was thought there was a thought early in the week, um, you know, Mullins will be back or, Mullen, you know, he's expected back. And then, you know, we were hearing that it was really more of a day-to-day thing because ankle, ankles just you, – you never know. And they heal at different paces depending on how bad the sprain is. And some ankle rolls, you know, a guy can be right back out the next day. And some of them – Linger a little bit longer. We saw that with Alex Huntley, you know, with Boogie. So you, you never know with those things, and you never want to come back early on an ankle because you just can't be yourself as far as cutting and, and playing and speed-wise at really any position. But tight end, you don't want to be playing tight end on, on a bum ankle. So, all right, y'all, that's going to do it. Appreciate the time. Appreciate everybody joining us, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or on the podcast platform, any of those things. We appreciate it all the same. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see everybody on Wednesday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.